Hallelujah, Jesus. Can we lift our hands up towards heaven? Lord, you are holy. Oh, God, you are holy. You are holy, oh, God. You're in this place, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God, you are holy. You are holy, Lord. You are holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, just give Him worship for who He is right now. You, Lord, are holy. You, God, reign. You, O oh God, are above all the earth's problems. You, O oh Lord, are above all the heavens and the earth. Jesus, there's nothing that's too hard for You. Oh, we love You, Jesus. We love You, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is in this place tonight. His presence is here. And it's not only here. He's in your home. He's in your situation. He's in your struggle. Hallelujah. Take courage tonight and know that God is with you. You may be seated. Well, we have kids that would like to not be in here tonight, I'm sure. And so if all you children want to head down to the left side here, you know where to go. I don't think I need to tell you. Um, Our elements class is already in session. So elements is underway. And if you do not know what elements is and you are interested, please come see me. We have some elements teachers around here. You can see Brother Sal right over here. He'll tell you all about it. Um, But... Yeah, it's, uh, if you're new here to the Church of Omaha and you would like to know more about it, we've got some youth. Youth, they would like to head out of here as well, I'm sure. The men are over in my office, and I guess everybody's in my office tonight. It's not Sunday. They do it a little differently on Sundays. But God is good. We are studying first and second Corinthians this month, and the month is about over. If you could turn to um, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. And then, I was going to read a verse, but uh, I think, uh, you know, we'll go ahead and and we'll read uh, 2 Corinthians. Um... I think I want to go over to chapter 4. And we'll read verse 7. Chapter 4, verse 7. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8 says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And we're going to cover those verses here again in a little bit. Um, but I, I think uh, I'll also read chapter 5, verse 1. It says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And that right there is speaking of our, our physical, physical body, not of a, another body out there. I know we've prayed several times tonight, but I just want to ask God to anoint his word and to speak into our lives. Lord Jesus, this is your word. ask you, God, to speak through me, Lord. Um, Let this word come alive and change our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I enjoyed reading the book of uh, 2 Corinthians. 
Um, in light of 1 Corinthians, actually, and everything Paul had been discussing here, I think I highlighted it the first uh, um, time I taught this last month. But Paul, um, when he was writing to the Corinthians, he actually wrote at least three letters to them. And in between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, he had written a letter and he had sent it over and, and he had sent Titus and then he went looking for Titus. And you'll find that here in 2 Corinthians. He went to meet him and, um, at Troas and, and he didn't find him there. And so he went on and he left um, prematurely from Troas and he went looking for him in Macedonia and, um, and he finally connected up with him. And, and why was this that Paul was... Um, was looking for Titus, and why had he sent a letter that we don't have, a letter that's between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians? Somebody had been stirring up trouble. Somebody that wanted to tear down Paul and lift themselves up and, and had um, brought trouble into the church. And Paul had written a letter that was very sharp and rebuking and telling them, here's how you need to handle the problem. Um... And he wanted to make sure that they handled the problem. Something that I, I find of note is Paul could write a very rebuking letter. But when he was in person, he would come off as uh, very quiet, very humble, which are great sounding words. But people would sometimes look at him and say, well, where's this bold, brash, I'm in charge person? Uh, when I see, read Paul's letters and I, and I see Paul in the book of Acts and in the New Testament, I think of, man, he's the Apostle Paul. He's, he's uh, struck down by Jesus and he saw Jesus and Jesus taught him and he went to the third heaven and he's Paul. And yet when I see him writing to the church, he really loves the church. He's anxious for the church to grow, to be able to stand on its own two feet. He... Uh, he, he, he wants you to grow. And Sister Nancy, if Paul were, were talking to you today, he would be interested in your spiritual well-being, that you would be strong in Christ, not that you would be strong in Paul. He, he, he wasn't wanting himself to displace Jesus Christ. And so he was anxious not to, how do I say this? He didn't want to be the church like, who's the church? Well, I'm from Paul. I'm of Paul. No, you're the church of the living God. And he wanted you to discover and grow in God. And he wanted you to be the person that, that had the gifts of the Spirit. And, and you're the one that, that's finding new things how God wants you to be in him. And not putting it back on Paul. And, and I find that really fascinating. And I think about it for myself. You know, I want to minister the word of God so that you grow in God. I, I don't mean just from this pulpit, but one to another. I, I don't want in my conversations to it be about um, me that, wow, I looked really good. And, you know, when we go to pray with somebody and, and we, go, we go to uh, uh, speak into their lives, it's not that, well, Lucas came and prayed with somebody and, and he spoke to them. And, and, and now, they're, now they're, they're built up because Lucas talked to them. It's not about me. It's not, it's not about uh, my abilities or was I the one that prayed for you and you were healed? Or was it Bishop that prayed for you and you were healed? You know, Jesus Christ, he is to get the glory. He is to get the honor. And, and when we get glory, let our glory be just like Paul said. Let it be in Jesus Christ. Can we brag for a little bit and say, you know what? 
we prayed and someone was healed. If I could walk in today and say, you know what? I, I met a lady at Walmart and I thought I was going to leave the store and I got a nudge from heaven and, and, and I turned and I invited this lady to church. God nudged me and as a result, her and her family are here and their lives are being changed. Let's give God glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That is a true story right there, by the way. Um, Pastor Powell sent me, a, I wasn't here on the Friday night youth service, and her whole family was sitting back there in a row. You know what I did to invite her to church? I opened up my Bible, and we had an hour-long Bible study. And I prayed for her in the miraculous, none of that happened. None of it happened. I teach and I preach to you guys, and I'm literally leaving Walmart, stepping through the door, and I'm like, I felt just like I should invite her to church. And she was the greeter lady, or not even the greeter lady. She took care of carts or something. And I went to invite her to church. And I just said, hey, I just wanted to invite you to church. Turns out she doesn't even speak English. She speaks French. And she could only understand church. And she said, are you Pentecostal? And I said, yes. And I pulled up her phone and showed her the website. And that was it. God didn't ask me to expound on anything from Isaiah he didn't ask me to show typology out of the book of Exodus. I mean, what was God thinking? All I said was, would you come to church? And if you talk to her because she didn't understand English, she was like, he stopped and turned. And he said, go to church. And I thought, man, that really does sound pretty cool. <laughs> but it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful that I could be there and be used by him to change her life. And God receives all the glory. You know, with the surgeon, when the surgeon begins to, to work on somebody, we're like, oh, that was a fabulous surgeon. Oh, he did a great job. You know what the surgeon did? He put a cast around your bone. Maybe he went in and removed the tumor. And yes, they did a great job. They, but at the end of the day... God decided that your body was going to go through a healing process. And yes, the surgeon came in here and he removed some stuff. Or he, he put a splint around something or put a cast on something. But Jesus Christ caused those things to mend together. Jesus Christ went in and restored. He maybe had used a person to get in there and say, hey, we got to stop the problem. We got to set some things in order. But then the surgeon who we would look at and say, great job, did nothing to actually heal you you know that's how it is even here at church you'll hear a preached word and, and the person speaking to you it may be myself would would get in here and 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 maybe say hey you got to stop sinning you know that's a good principle right there i wish we could all just get that just stop sinning but um you know is, I'm gonna, you got to stop this you got to get some things in order you got to make some right choices and decisions and and, and we'll tell you that and we'll say, hey, uh, going to the bar is a bad idea. And you being a recovering alcoholic, it's even a worse idea. And that is like the splint or the cast or, or the, the going in and cutting out the tumor. But when it's all said and done, and I've told you all about the master healer, Jesus Christ, you make your way to the altar you lift your hands up and you say, God, the sword of the word went through and it began to cut some things out. But I need you. And the master healer, the master physician comes in. He doesn't just put splints around things. He begins to mend bones. He puts things back together again. You know the exciting thing is? 
He's also the one that actually broke our bones sometimes. Sometimes we just did it because we decided that jumping off the cliff with everyone else was a great idea. You know, they're all committing that sin, so I think I'll do it too. Isn't it okay? And we end up at the bottom of the barrel and we wonder, how did I get here? Sometimes God says, you know what? <laughs> You've got a real problem. And instead of me keeping you from trouble, I'm just going to step away and we're going to watch you fall. But then we're going to get back up again. And like the shepherd would take a lamb and break the bone of the lamb and put it around his neck and walk with it. So God will do that. So Paul, he had written to the church of Corinth. He had admonished them and he had corrected them. But he was anxious for them to grow. And so we see that, that he hadn't come to them. But he writes this other letter, 2 Corinthians. And um, for him telling them, hey, I was worried about your situation and your problems and and. And everything, and, and then at the end here of the book, he also admonishes them again and, and, and does some correcting. He starts out almost right away with encouragement. He starts out with encouragement and, and, and building them up, and, and he's talking about how great God is. He spells out his journey for them, and, and he's telling them, here's, here's what I would have been here, and, and I'm looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to flip through a couple chapters before we get back to chapter 4. Um, and, and he's talking about the suffering of Christ and, and their consolation and God abounding. And, and he says, for brethren, verse 8, he says, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which we came to us in Asia, that we were pressed upon measure above strength, insomuch that we despair even of life. We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will, not, that he will yet deliver us. I noted in verse 11, I underlined this, he says, you also helping together by prayer for us. These are some little side notes before I get to vision 2020. Your prayers matter. If the Apostle Paul, who was struck down by Jesus Christ, who was called by him to reach to the Gentiles, is turning to the church of Corinth, who had great problems, and he said, we were delivered by God, and your prayers for us. Your prayers matter. God is looking for you to pray. He's looking for me to be a prayer. Brother Khan, he's looking for our prayers. Sometimes I, I, I maybe would like to think, well, God's got that and he's in control. And if he wants to work this out, he will. And, and He's looking for you to pray. Mr. Kara, he's looking for you to pray. When you pray for my wife over here in a situation she might be in, your prayers matter. Sister Clement, thank you for being here tonight. But uh, um, When you pray and nobody sees you around and you're praying for, you may not even know what, but for this church here, your prayers are changing lives. Brother Danny, your prayers are changing lives. Somebody is also praying for you. When you're thinking about Norfolk and you're like, I don't know where to go, God's looking over and he's saying, hey... I know I'm God, but, but church, you're my bride, and, and I want you to join with me. Let me hear your voice. And it may be somebody down in Louisiana, but prayer begins to go up. Uh, um, I tell you that, Brother Danny, because you're, you're, you were on my heart this weekend. I, I talked to my wife about you. I was just like, I, I, I wonder what they're going through. Why? Because God was reaching in and he's saying, hey, 
Norfolk and a preacher that I put up there, a family that I've called there. God's looking for you. So your prayers matter. And so Paul, he talks about the struggles and he, and, and, and he says we went through struggle but God was with us. And I contrasted that and I, I opened up with that scripture about troubled on every side. But as you're flipping through here, um, chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. I, I underlined something here just in reading Corinthians. I did not realize that for all these times. For all the times, or for all of Paul's struggles, he's, he writes here, he says, verse 14, Now thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. You know, I was really thinking, what does this mean by savor? Savor. My mind wanted to flip it around and say, savior, saving, savor, really? What, what's this have to do with smell? What's this have to do with being good? What is this? And, and in my apostolic study Bible, they have a long footnote about it. But, and I'll highlight that in a minute. But he says, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. When the Roman army and the general would come back from a great battle and he would make his way into the city of Rome and he would have with him his soldiers and, and behind him would be his prisoners and they would be chained together and they would be burning incense to the, the gods of Rome and as they would be marching in and this incense would be going up and, and this smoke would be going back and covering everyone and this, this smell, it would be the smell of victory to the soldiers it would be a smell of victory of what the soldiers had come through and what they had done to all the people that would line up along the street and to the prisoners back there, the ones that were losing the battle. It was a stench because it represented the victory that they lost or the thing that they hadn't, that they had given up on or their bondage that they were in. And Paul's saying, hey, to them that and to them that perish, he's saying, to those that rejected this gospel, this thing doesn't smell very good. <laughs> to those that denied this and, and put you down and, and, and said, you know what? You, what, what you're doing is worthless and who's Jesus anyways and why are you a Christian? This thing stinks to them. He says, but we're a saver. Oh, oh, we're a sweet-smelling thing. We're the smell of victory. And, and to the enemy, we stink. And they don't know why we live for God and why we do what we do. But I want you to understand that we're victorious. And when we come parading through Omaha, or you walk through your job, just as Paul went to Macedonia, or he was in Troas, or, or when he was in Ephesus, and, and people tried to persecute, what was Paul and Timothy and Titus and Luke? Oh, they were like those generals and those soldiers marching. They were on a walk. They were parading through to the glory of God. And I contrast that with troubled on every side. I contrast that with we were in, in, in trouble over here and over there, but you prayed for us. And I see trouble, and I see Paul saying, we had victory. We are a sweet savor. We're an army that is marching in victorious. You know, it, it, it's, it's a contrast that makes me think sometimes we just need to change our vision. We just need to, to get our eyes refocused. The title up there says 2020 Vision. It's a, a, a busy slide, right? It's the whole fuzzy and makes sense. And um, 
Alicia had gotten some new contacts a while back and that good knowing doctor said, you need contacts that aren't quite so strong. Don't worry, your eyes will correct with it and it'll be fine. Well, you know what I discovered over the coming weeks? These aren't working. <laughs> and it never got any better until she finally went back and a new doctor said, oh, no, no, no. Your vision is this. You need these contacts. You need to see better. Sometimes we talk about, we always say hindsight is 2020. I like to say, or is it? Because if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have done what I did. By the way, this is the only year where you'll really be able to say hindsight is 2020. All the other times, it's okay, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> I didn't get it till about halfway through the year. <laughs> One day it dawned on me that, oh yeah, last year is 2020. But you know, hindsight, when we look backwards, we, we, uh, um, we'll look and we'll say, you know, as a teenager, it seemed like it was rough, but it's okay. Or we'll look back at, at when we were eight or 10 years old, and, and we'll look at school and we'll say, you know what, it was stressful, but you come through it okay, it's not a big deal. And, my kids will come home and they'll share their struggle and we'll be like, hey, you're fine, you're fine. And then I remind myself, well, wait a second, they don't see it the way I see it. They don't see the situation and they're stressed out about what is their friend going to do or, or where, how are things going to work out or how am I going to do on this test? And, and they're all bothered by it. They don't know what I know. They haven't been through that. Paul here He's given glory to God and he's on parade. But Paul also had some understandings that he was trying to convey. And that is that God is in control. And this earth is temporal. We're here just for a short time. We're not going to be here forever. This body that we're in, it's just a temporal thing. I know you see your troubles on every side. I know you see all the distress you're going through. But if you could just see Jesus, if you could just see what, what's gone on in heaven and, and, and everything's going to be okay, you, you might think you're in a struggle right now, and yes, you are, but I want you to lift your head up high because you're going on a march because really you're victorious the enemy thinks that he's made a hard tr trouble for you on your job. Somebody's talking about you behind your back and, and, and you're frustrated. Maybe family has rejected you. But we, thanks be to God who has given us the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so they, they, they talked to us in chapter 2 about that triumph march. And now I just want to flip over to chapter 4. Chapter 4. Because why are we victorious in Jesus Christ? Why do we overcome? I kind of gave the punchline there. It's one you already know. It's because we have Jesus. And if you could get an understanding, just a re-grasp of the fact that that you have Jesus Christ. Sometimes life is tough and it's hard. It's full of heartache. But if we could get our eyes off just what's going on, maybe in your own home, or what's going on in your job, or what's going on over in Afghanistan, 
or what's going on down at the border or what's going on with coronavirus or what's going on with the protests. And you could begin to see that God robed himself in flesh, that he put on humanity and that he came down and he lived and he died and rose again for us. That he's the one that spoke and said, let there be light. And there was light. First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul writes, he says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined into our hearts. Oh, Corinth, I know you were admonished by me. I know that, that you received correction. I know that it seems like you didn't get everything right. Oh, but God, who spoke and said, let there be light, who, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Can we just give the Lord a hand clap? Oh, Church of Omaha, the God who said, let there be light. The God who formed all of the stars, who, who made the trees, who, who made the mammals, who got down and formed mankind, who put every cell and blood vessel together in your body. He's got your problems. He's got your troubles. And not only that, He has shined into your life with this glorious gospel of salvation, hope, and deliverance. And it's not just hope, but it's hope that's going to come to pass. And it's not just hope that's going to one day place us in heaven, but it's a hope that we have right now. In verse 7, Paul says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Oh, hallelujah. I'm just clay. I'm just a body. Oh, I'm nothing right here. Oh, I'm not made out of gold. Um, I'm not made out of diamonds or rubies. Oh, when I die, you know what happens? We saw it on the road the other day. There was a really large uh, um, raccoon. It was the largest raccoon I've ever seen. Because he was dead. Why? When you die in your body... This body begins to decay. It goes through gross processes. Nobody wants to be around a dead body. Nobody wants to go to a dead cow in the pasture or a dead deer on the side of the road. We drive around that. It's just an earthen vessel. It's just made out of clay. Oh, but the king of glory who spoke the worlds into existence said you're worth it and I'm going to go hang myself on a cross and I'm going to live and die and rise again so that I can put my spirit within you. It's a spirit and a treasure that's priceless. And the king of glory said you're priceless and I'm going to live inside of you. And everyone in this place tonight that has been filled with his spirit has Jesus in you. Oh, let's give him another hand clap. Oh, we have a treasure in earthen vessels. And you know Paul, he, he, he echoes it right here. He says that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Why? 
Because God is the one that made you glorious. You're not some beautiful box or some, some beautiful frame for the picture. And people come and they say, wow, uh, um, isn't it nice that that great person over there, Brother Terry, oh, Brother Terry, we love you. But well, isn't it, wasn't it kind of Brother Terry to be willing to house the presence of God? He's, look at that. Brother Terry's such a great person and he would allow Jesus to live in him. It's just like Christmas. The stable never deserved Jesus. That manger was the lowliest place. But God looked over at Herod's house and he said, you're not worthy of me. Your house and you think you're so great and, and all you kings of the earth, you're pompous and you're arrogance and, and you like to beautify yourself and you take the riches from the poor and, and you decorate your palaces. But I'm going to a manger. A place that is totally everyone would look and say is not worthy to the creator of all things. To the God that loves us and I'm going to be there. But that creator, he was temporary in that manger. And he was temporary in that, on the cross and temporary in that tomb. But he says, I want to be inside of you forever. I want to live in you forever. That the excellency of the power of God, or maybe of God and not of us. And then Paul reminds us. And so I want to reread these verses. He says, we are troubled. In your 2020 vision, when you look back, you say, well, I came through a problem. I was victorious. I remember the time we couldn't pay the bills and, and I pulled over to the side of the road. And I'm like, God, how are we going to do this? And how did I get myself in this spot? Has anybody else ever said that? Yeah. I didn't pull over to the side of the road because I thought it would just be fun. I pulled over because I was broken. I was crying. And I felt helpless. God, I need your help. When we sat there in the hospital and your baby's just born and you went through whew, great joy. Well, first you went through, this baby's got to be born. The baby's born and you have that great joy. And then they throw them into the little incubator and they haul them off down the hallway. And they're like, we got to take them. We got to take them over here. And we, we need to run some tests. And, and the tears are streaming down your face. And, and you know, it's, they would say, well, we need to look at the lungs. To a new parent, oh, no. Other oh, lungs are fine. They're fine. They're fine. No, you're going to test. And, and sometimes there's really bad things that's happened. And, and you're troubled. You're troubled. Sometimes your trouble isn't just what you went through with your children. It's you thought you liked your job until you had a coworker, right? And then the coworker, they put you down. They put you down for living for Jesus. That's really noble, but sometimes it wasn't even that extreme, right? It was you're trying to just do your job and somebody's screaming at you. And they make you feel like you're the biggest loser in the world. And maybe they even called you that. And maybe they called you some words that you can't repeat. Troubled on every side. Maybe you had a spouse that decided, I'm not going to live for this. Or maybe you're in a marriage. And it just... One of you or neither one of you ever learned how to fight properly. Not that any of you ever fight in your marriages. I would question your marriage if you've never fought but 
but you're troubled. Maybe it's that you've, everything in life seems okay, but there's a bombardment of your mind that comes from the pit of hell, and it bombards you every day. And Satan tries to let you know that you're a nobody. What you need to do is say, I have a treasure in an earthen vessel. Because he thinks that I'm somebody. And yeah, I'm nobody. But he made me somebody. And devil, you hear me tonight? Jesus doesn't live in you. He lives in me. And give God glory. Yes, that's right. Let's give him another hand clap. Paul says, yet not distressed. Oh, I want to go ahead and I want to move aside the curtain. Because on the screen of the curtain, my situation right now, it looks like I'm in a mess of trouble. But when I'm standing with Jesus for eternity, I'm going to look back and I'm going to see that He was in my problem all the time and that God always had it. Oh, when I can just look back and see it through the eyes of Jesus. Oh, not just then, but now. When I can just move past that veil. And I can see that God is completely in control. And yes, Jesus, I don't know how it's going to work out. But I know that you're going to carry me through it. I'm not distressed. I'm troubled on every side. Oh, I, I, I may be wondering about it. I might be perplexed. He says, we are perplexed. Oh, how did this happen? How did we get here? D did I sin? Why is God letting me go through this? Why would they treat me that way? You know, sometimes that happens even in church. You're like, this was my place of hope and healing. This was my refuge. I came here. And, and, and what now why am I in contention with somebody else in church? I, why, I didn't want to burst anybody's bubbles, but you're human. And there's problems like that. And you're distressed, you're perplexed, you wonder, you wonder why am I going through this? But you know what Paul says when he went through all his troubles and everything that faced him, but not in despair. Oh, I'm not in despair. And then he who could say it better than anything I've ever possibly faced. But I do wonder as I say that about our missionaries and those that are in Afghanistan right now, Christians living for Jesus Christ in the middle of that nation and now going through all the trouble with the Taliban. Persecuted. But whether you're a missionary in a foreign country or you say, you know what, nobody quite understands my trouble and they would maybe think it's no big deal, but I've been persecuted right now. Somebody just keeps driving that, that, that needle into me day after day. Maybe it again, it's the voices that hit your head. Persecuted. Persecuted. I want you to know, but not forsaken. Not forsaken. God has never left you. He's never walked away from you, and He is not going to. So hold on, Church of Omaha. Because you might feel persecuted and you might be persecuted. Or, or that missionary, pray for them that's in that war-torn country. Oh, they might be going through persecution. But I want you to know, in the Spirit, you're not forsaken. Oh, you might feel cast down. You might feel knocked out. Everything might have torn at you in life. But you're not 
destroyed. And there is a tomorrow. And one day this earth is going to pass away. And we're going to stand with Jesus. Oh, one way or another, I'm going to make it through it. My sicknesses, my issues, my, my discouragements, my fears, they're only for a moment. But I've got Jesus. He's living in me, and I'm going to be with Him forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Troubled. Troubled. Paul says in verse 16, chapter 4, he says, But though our outward man perish, but the inward man is renewed day by day. You know, God is your healer. And God has and will work the miraculous in your life. But one day if, God, if the Lord tarries, I'm going to die. One day, one day if, if, if he chooses to let me to live till I'm 105, I'm going to die. And God maybe heal me, will heal me today from, from what, what, whatever it would be, cancer or, or, or a, a heart issue or, or, or take a tumor out of my body or restore a broken bone or, or issues with my eyes. Whatever trouble I might go through, God may decide that he's going to heal that one. We, we pray and God works the miraculous or he may choose not to. But whether that happens now or God let, and he lets me live a long time or he decides it's my time to go now. I know, I know that will the outward man perish, yet I have a hope within me. You know what you can get every single day? This body ages and it's going to pass away, but you can get renewed every single day, every single day. Somebody who hasn't been finding a place of prayer needs to find a place of prayer. Somebody who, who hasn't turned in the middle of your problem or your trouble needs to just turn in your day, and I want you to remember this. Maybe it'll be tomorrow, and I want you to lift up your head just a little bit. You don't even have to lift it all the way up. I want you just to pick it up, just if it's down here, pick it up to right here, and just say, Jesus, Jesus. Just ask, just whisper his name, and just get a little bit of a glimpse of the fact that he is in your life. That, that Jesus that went to the cross. That Jesus who, who, who suffered and bore those stripes lives in you. And yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but a moment, worketh for us a far more and exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I don't know, as I read through Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, I begin to get extremely encouraged. I begin to say, God, just let me get a new, new view of you. Let me begin to see you afresh. I want to see him afresh. I want us to realize we have a hope in heaven. That This thing is temporal. It's just for a time. Oh, Paul, who was beaten, who was left for dead, who, who it looks like he even died and was brought back to life. Who was stoned 
to death. Says, hey, our light affliction. This thing is nothing. Church, you've already won the battle. When you submitted your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, when you repented of your sins, when you were baptized in Jesus' name, and He filled you with His Spirit, He gave you complete victory. And one of, somebody might be saying to me tonight, but I sinned again. I want you to know you have an advocate. The very God of glory that robed Himself in flesh is saying you can make it. So I know you're beaten on every side. I know you're in distress. But could we go ahead and stand to our feet? Because just like Paul said, he said, but you know what we are? In every situation or place we go, we're that general and the soldiers. We're on that march. And there's a, we're a sweet incense bringing glory to Jesus Christ, declaring that He is victorious. So if somebody could just see with me tonight that you have a hope and a strength. Oh, that you have victory tonight. Oh, let's begin to lift our voices right now. Oh, hallelujah, oh God. Oh, yes, Jesus, we might be troubled on every side. But I want you to know that I'm not distressed. Oh, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, because Jesus, you have the victory. Oh, Jesus, you've overcome. Jesus, you have my struggle. You have my issue. I give you glory, oh God. I worship you, oh God. Go ahead, let's just love Him for a moment. Oh, declare that He is victorious. Oh, I'm not going to give any credit to the devil. Oh, I'm not going to let him say, oh, that he's beating me down. Oh, this flesh in this world's temporary. And my situation is but for a moment. Oh, but I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Somebody here needs to remember tonight that God's in control. Somebody needs to remember tonight just who you are and, and the hope that you have within you. Somebody needs to remember tonight, oh, that you have a treasure in an earthen vessel. Oh, you never were worthy of the Master, but the Master said, I'm making you worthy. Somebody needs to remember tonight that He pulled you out of a dark place and picked you up. Oh, somebody needs to remember what He brought you through and all the victories that you've already overcome. Hallelujah. Oh, go ahead. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. I feel like that we need to remember what He's already brought us through. Oh, He's put his, our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. He's, he's buried our sins under the blood. and They were buried when we were baptized in His name. Oh, but I know that you remember where He brought you from. And the very God that gave you that victory is with you right now. And He's going to give you the victory in the middle of your trouble. 
Oh, you're an overcomer. And the battle's already been decided. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have an overcoming God. He told John in the book of Revelation that he has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. That he, that he is he which was dead and is alive forevermore. And he told him, I am the first and I am the last. I'm the one that started this thing. And I'm the one that's going to wrap it up. Oh, church, we have overcome. We've overcome. And we have a hope in heaven. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our house, which is from heaven. Oh, I desire Jesus, and I long for him. But right now I have him. I have him right here. Hallelujah. 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 There's a sweet presence of God here. In this place, I hope you're encouraged tonight, you're reminded, and I urge you, I urge you, I urge you, remember who you have and what your outcome is, because whatever you're in, you're going to make it through it. You're going to get there. You can't, you can't make decisions for other people. Other people might walk out on this. You can't even make decisions for your spouse. You might have children that reject this or you might have parents that give up on it. But God has won your victory and this thing is temporal. Hallelujah. God bless you. We will see you at the park this coming Sunday and be there. Be there at the pavilion. Make your best to be there at 1030. There should be instructions out there on the, on the, vesti in the vestibule. God bless you and we'll see you this weekend.